From the H-Bomb Boxing Studios in beautiful downtown Forest Hill, Maryland, this is episode 14 of the H-Bomb Boxing Report. Boxing fans around the world, welcome in. Episode 14, H-Bomb Boxing Report. I am your host, Marty H. Thank you so much for joining me. We have a scaled-down show for episode 14. I'm flying solo, and this is the first show of the new year. And uh, the first show we ever did was back in February of this past year, 2021. Aptly titled Episode 1, and... uh, the next episode of the H-Bomb Boxing Report uh, will be our anniversary episode. It'll be sometime in February, so it'll be our anniversary episode. And it's it's been a fun ride so far. We've had many ups and downs along the way. I love boxing. I enjoy bringing these podcasts to you every three weeks or so. Building an audience is tough, though, especially with boxing, because you know the sport, as great as it is, because I'll always defend it, but the sport has become uh, marginalized somewhat, at least here in the States, by the mainstream sports media. And I guess it's part of the age that we live in, but sometimes the sport itself, with all its drama and backstory, colorful characters, great athletes, competitive bouts, sometimes that just isn't enough. You know, people today, they want the controversy, the scandal, the hype. Uh, And with so many... Other entertainment options out there like social media and streaming services, one-touch, on-demand viewing, things like that. It's hard for an old sport that, you know, I say it's an old sport and basically hasn't changed in the last hundred years. I mean, I'm talking about what actually happens in the ring. It really hasn't changed much in a hundred years. And sometimes it's just not a match for the short attention spans of the modern man. When I started the H-Bomb Boxing Report, my intention was to walk that thin line between uh, hardcore fans and those who, although may have a passing interest in boxing, uh, those who really weren't into it the way I am. So it's kind of walking that thin line between trying to satisfy both of those sides of the sides of the spectrum. Uh But it's tricky because you have to have enough red meat for the hardcore fans while at the same time you have to bring the others along in a way that won't get them lost or make them feel like it's over their head. So one of the things I learned doing radio with Scott Wagner was if you're entertaining and conversational, you're polite to your guest and occasionally funny, you can have a successful show no matter what the topic is. And being knowledgeable about the topic will will also give you credibility. And lastly, if you're passionate about the topic you're speaking about, then that'll shine through to the listeners. And that's sort of the the formula for me in a nutshell. And I I know it's easier said than done because there's no guarantees. But I'd rather pour myself into something that that I care about. I'd rather pour myself into something that I care about and fail than never attempt it and wonder for the rest of my life, how it would have worked out. One of my favorite quotes, and I apologize to the person who said it because I can't remember his name, but uh, it goes like this. 
Every man must die, but not every man lives. So, so I pour myself into this podcast and I, I try to make it something worth listening to. And hopefully it's something you can enjoy as well. And I'm very appreciative to those who support me. So speaking of support, if you go to my website, which is hbombboxing.com, that's hbombboxing.com, you'll find all the links to my social media. That's my personal Facebook, my Instagram, my Twitter. And uh, I'd like nothing more than to have you reach out and let me know what you think. Maybe toss out some suggestions of how you think the show can be better or just give me your opinions or predictions, questions, complaints, whatever. I actually have some ideas to sort of shake up the format from time to time, but most of them, most of those, most of those ideas require technical knowledge, which, of course, if, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know that tech is not my strong suit. But uh, I have Chris Wagner with me as part of the Team H-Bomb, and he's the chief technical advisor. So with him, the impossible becomes possible. Or at least the incompetent becomes competent. <laughs> so, so stay tuned as we turn toward our second year of podcasting as we look to get, hopefully, we look to get better and better. Now, real quick before we get into the boxing talk, I want to thank my guest from episode 13. That's the former Ring Magazine editor and Hall of Fame writer Nigel Collins. It was so great to have him join me and share his knowledge and stories from the past. And it's, it's not every day you get a chance to meet up with someone who's in the International Boxing Hall of Fame and talk boxing with them. So that was certainly an honor for me personally. And I hope you enjoyed that as well. He was a great guest. Now, moving on, I want to talk about what just happened and what's about to happen. And it's a little segment I like to call, What Just Happened and What's About to Happen. One of the things that I really like about being a boxing fan is there really is no off-season. You know, it's rare that there's a week where there's no boxing. So even Christmas and New Year's weeks, which they used to be a bit of a mini break, uh, have recently hosted boxing events. And this past year, with Christmas being on a Saturday, uh, PBC televised a card from New Jersey on Fox featuring uh, hometown boy Vito Milnicki Jr., as well as Joey Spencer, of course, in separate bouts. Uh, a couple of guys that PBC's trying to put over, and they both won. It was nothing to write home about, but it did give boxing fans an option to divert from all the Christmas hoopla. And uh, what I was really looking forward to in late December was the return of one of my favorite fighters, Triple G, Gennady Golovkin. Now, he was supposed to take on Ryota Murata. Uh, Murata's the WBA middleweight champion, and Golovkin, of course, is the IBF middleweight champion. So they were supposed to unify the titles here uh, in a bout which was huge over in Japan. I mean, it's a big money fight. But due to COVID-19 travel restrictions imposed by the Japanese government, the bout had to be postponed. Now, I believe this fight will still happen sometime in the next few months, although no official date has been set. Disappointing in many ways because Golovkin is he's an all-action fighter, and this was to be a big event, like I said, over in Japan. Not to mention, you know, Golovkin, who he turns 40 in April, so he doesn't have time on his side. And a lot of people have asked, well, why doesn't Golovkin just 
try to secure a fight with you know WBO champ Demetrius Andrade or maybe WBC champ Jamal Charlo instead of waiting on this Murata situation in Japan to clear up. But those fights wouldn't secure the type of financial windfall that a fight with Murata would. And and who knows how many fights Golovkin has left in him at this stage. And you know, one of the things that really made me a fan of Triple G back when he burst onto the American boxing scene back in 2012. I mean, he was he was fighting in relative obscurity over in, in Europe, uh, mostly Germany. And uh, he came over here in 2012. He hooked up with... Uh, uh, I just slipped my mind. <laughs> Trainer, um, Abel Sanchez. So he hooked, he hooked up with Abel Sanchez. And uh, they made a heck of a team because... Like I said, he burst onto the scene back in 2012 with a knockout of a, a good fighter from Poland, uh, Gregor Proxa, and uh, that was on HBO, so he made his HBO debut, and not only was he a knockout machine, but it seemed like every four months or so he was back in the ring, so he's one of the more active fighters out there, and you know, Tom Loeffler with K2 Promotions did a really good job of keeping him out there fighting on both the East and the West Coast. So he was really building a name for himself. He was racking up knockout after knockout. And, uh, you know, he was, he was must-see TV. You know, when, when Golovkin was on, you know, you had to see it because he, he's an exciting fighter. He still is. But now as Golovkin heads toward the twilight of his career, it seems that the priorities have changed. And like I say, hopefully this fight with Murata gets made and we see him in a few more high-profile fights, you know, to close out his career. Um, I don't think he's going to get the third fight with Canelo. I'm sure he would love that. Everybody would love to have a fight with Canelo because he's the cash cow. That's where you make your money. But uh, I don't see that happening. But uh, we'll see. I think Murata is going to be next for Golovkin uh, somewhere down the line in the next few months. Now, 2022, looking, uh, looking ahead now, not looking ahead, but looking back at what we we've seen so far this year and January is usually a slow month to start out with uh, as far as boxing is concerned. And, you know, with all the COVID uh, cancellations and whatnot going on th this year is no different. It really, the, nothing great has happened so far. Nothing big is, is really on the immediate horizon, but uh, let's talk about what we've seen so far. So new year's night, January 1st, uh, we started with a battle of South Paul, heavyweights as Luis Ortiz from Cuba. He scored a six-round knockout over Charles Martin. And uh, the fight was actually better than I was expecting it to be. Uh, Martin actually had Ortiz down in the first and down in the fourth. And it was actually, like I said, it was a pretty good fight. Um, Martin was ahead on the cards. He's boxing pretty well. Had a couple of knockdowns. But uh, he got caught with a shot. Uh, a hard shot from Ortiz, and it was sort of the beginning of the end, and the, and the fight ended in the sixth round. And then all the talk leading into this fight, though, this is the, the, the central point of why I want to talk about this fight. All the talk leading into this fight centered around the fact that this was a pay-per-view. I mean, the talk wasn't about who do you think is going to win, or how's this guy going to win, what's next for the winner. It was more about why is this fight a pay-per-view. And pay-per-view's getting out of control. I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the solution to the 
financial situation is. I know there's a lot of streaming going on out there. Um, there's not a lot of money for these type of fights, but they're just not really doing good business on pay-per-view. And, uh, you know, the fans are losing out, especially in this day, day and age now where, you know, we've got the DAZN app, we've got ESPN Plus app. So a lot of boxing is is going into these apps that people are paying a monthly or an annual fee for. And then fights like Ortiz and Martin, which should be shown on free TV or pay cable or an app that you pay for. Instead, even though you're paying for the, the Showtime or DAZN or ESPN Plus, if, you, if you're a hardcore fan and you really want to see all the fights, it's a lot of these fights are pay-per-view and uh it's it's i don't think it's i don't think it's good for the sport i don't think it's good for bringing new fans into the sport and so you know let me just sum it up by saying ortiz and martin should not be a pay-per-view fight so that's that's kind of my point now on january 15th we saw the wbo light heavyweight champion joe smith jr Scored ninth round knockout over Steve Giffard. Uh, Smith, Smith's a solid guy. He's got a good following. Uh, he does have some holes in his defense, but he's definitely getting better. He's very strong. He always comes in shape to fight. He's got great stamina. He's a high volume puncher, and uh, he was able to, you know, eventually get the knockout. He didn't look great early on, but you know, he just kept plugging away, plugging away, and he was able to get the stoppage over Giffard uh, in the ninth. Smith moves his record to 28 and 3. Jafar drops to 18 and 3. And uh, I'd love to see Joe Smith Jr. Uh, unify with the WBC and IBF light heavyweight champ Arthur Better Bev. That would give the winner of that fight three belts. Uh, I'm sure both of them would rather you know take on Canelo next. Like I said, can, when you fight Canelo, you make a lot of money. Uh, but it looks like Jamal Charlo's next up for Canelo. I mean, at least he's the front runner. This is nothing, nothing's etched in stone as of the time I'm speaking to you. But uh, I, I would definitely like to see Smith Jr. and Better BF unify the three belts that they have. And maybe that would lure Canelo into up to light heavyweight to face the winner. Now, on 20, the 22nd of January, uh, undefeated Filipino Mark Magsayo scored a majority decision win over the former WBC featherweight champ Gary Russell Jr. So that makes McSayo the new WBC featherweight champion. And uh, Gary Russell Jr., uh, he had an injury. He, he, he said leading into the fight that, that he, he was dealing with an injury. He didn't want to say what it was, but he injured his shoulder in the fourth round. And he fought well. He fought bravely and, you know, all that. But, you know, in the end, McSayo got the decision. He threw more punches. He landed more punches. He landed punches at a higher percentage. And uh, congratulations to McSayo. You know, he's his idol, of course, like all Filipino fighters, is Manny Pacquiao. He's promoted by Manny Pacquiao. He's trained by Freddie Roach, who's also Pacquiao's trainer. And now that Pacquiao's retired, you know, uh, McSayo is, uh, is looking to be the next face of, of Filipino boxing. Now, I made a statement on social media following the fight that, you know, McSayo used smart and effective pressure to get the victory. And a couple people called me out on that and said, 
you know, no, he he wasn't using smart, effective pressure. He was, you know, he he only won because Gary Russell injured his, his shoulder. And you know, I, I got to be totally honest with you, it was a long day for me, and I worked all day, and I was tired, and that fight was on late, and I was struggling to stay awake to watch it. And you know, I might have missed a minute or two here and there, so maybe I should go back and rewatch that one before I say whether or not I think I was right or I think I was wrong with my comments. But it just seemed to me that McSayo was coming forward. Uh, he was winning the exchanges. Of course, it's much easier to win an exchange with a guy when he's only got one arm to punch and you've got two. But, you know, he did what he had to do. I, I, I thought he looked pretty good. You know, it wasn't exciting, but he, he did what he had to do. And I, full credit to him. I thought the scores were closer than they should have been. Uh, it was a majority decision. One of the judges had it a draw, and the other two had uh, 115-113 uh, for McSayo. So that fight was much closer on the scorecards than than, I, than it, it appeared to be to me. So as we look forward and look ahead to the next few weeks, now there are some decent fights on the schedule, nothing that would be considered major events, but here's a look at what we've got coming up. Uh, on Saturday, January 29th on ESPN Plus, Junior Lightweights in the ring as Robson Conceição. Uh, Brazil takes on Xavier Martinez. That's a pretty solid fight. Uh, both those guys are, are pretty solid fighters. Uh, Conceição's last fight out, he lost, uh, but he made a really good showing of himself against uh, Oscar Valdez. Uh, he, he was doing really well early on in the fight, and... He fade, I guess you could say he faded down the stretch, but maybe uh, Valdez just came on down the stretch and was able to squeak out a close victory against him. But Conceição in action against Martinez, January 29th, ESPN+. Plus. Also, on January 29th, cruiserweight title fight, WBC champion Ilunga Makabu takes on Tabisu Machuno. Now, these aren't household names. Uh, unless you are a hardcore boxing fan, these aren't household names. So you're probably saying, well, what's the significance of this fight? Well, I'll tell you, this fight is being promoted by Don King. That's part of the significance of it. This is the first fight that Don King has promoted in by himself, uh, in a, I think in about five years or so, because he's he's co-promoted with other people. He's He doesn't have a big stable of fighters right now, so he's he's lent fighters to this card or that card or has worked in conjunction with other promoters to put on cards but this is a don a 100% don king promotion and a lot of people ask me hey is don king still out there or some people say is don king still alive yes don king's still alive he's 90 years old uh he's still going strong and he's promoting this fight on the the 29th also <laughs> this is a pay-per-view and and like we said before some of these fights really shouldn't be on pay-per-view but maybe the promoters, if they, they can't secure a television outlet, then this is the only way that they can secure the money for their fighters. Now, this particular event, uh, Makabu Machuno, is uh, scaled back price-wise to forty nine ninety nine, which is less than what normally I think it's about seventy nine ninety nine or or thereabout. So, you know, the price is scaled back a little bit. I still don't think it's going to do business, to be honest with you. Uh, but... Another significant factor in this fight is uh, Makabu, who is the WBC Cruiserweight Champion, has been floated out there as a possible opponent for Canelo because Canelo has 
flirted with the idea of moving up to cruiserweight in his next fight. And if so, uh, he would be taking on Makabu. That is if Makabu gets past Machuno in this fight. So it's an important fight for Makabu because even though the Canelo fight's not guaranteed with a victory, it's guaranteed that he won't be fighting Canelo if he doesn't get the victory. So here we go again. Fox pay-per-view Saturday, February 5th. The return of one-time Keith Thurman as he takes on Mario Barrios. Uh, Barrios is moving up to welterweight. And uh, the undercard in this fight's pretty solid. But, you know, pay-per-view, I mean, come on. Thurman's been inactive for over two years. We haven't seen him since uh, he last fought in the summer of 2019. And that was a, a loss to Manny Pacquiao. And we last saw Barrios down at junior welterweight getting knocked out by Tank Davis. So what we have here is a fight between two guys coming off of a loss. They're both coming off of losses. One guy hasn't fought in about two and a half years. Uh, the other guy fought recently, but he was knocked out. And it's his first fight up at this weight. And somehow, this is a pay-per-view. Now, for me, pay-per-view has always been... Something, to me at least, has been a fight that should be ha be happening between two stars. Not one star and one unknown or two unknowns or two pretty good fighters or two average fighters. It's, just, it's supposed to be two star fighters that the public are demanding to see. And this isn't it. And none of these pay-per-views that I mentioned are it. And, uh... It's it's kind of concerning, but it's I guess it's it's the age we live in, and, and we'll see how the sport survives going forward with all of these uh, marginal fights being pay per view. But like I said, the undercard's pretty solid. It would be a perfect fight for like a Showtime Championship boxing on a Saturday night, something like that. But certainly not pay per view. Also on February fifth, Saturday, February fifth on DAZN. We've got a vacant WBC Junior Bantamweight title fight. A junior Bantamweight is 115 pounds. For those of you who don't know, it's a 115-pound Junior Bantamweight fight. It's a rematch between uh, Trisaket Sorung Visai of Thailand and Carlos Cuadros of Mexico. Now, the first time out, they fought in Mexico, and there was a clash of heads. The fight was stopped. They went to the cards. Uh, Cuadros was ahead on the cards. He was awarded the victory. So now we have the rematch this time around. It'll be in Las Vegas. That was supposed to be actually uh, the co-feature uh, to the main event, which was supposed to be Jesse Vargas and uh, Liam Smith. But uh, Vargas came down with COVID and the show must go on. So they bump up Sorong Visai and Quadras to the main event. Should be a solid fight, and I'm looking forward to that one. That should be actually a pretty good fight. Also, earlier on that same day, February 5th, Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Williams. That's for our friends over across the pond because we have no U.S. TV on that one. That's a middleweight fight from Cardiff, Wales. And also, worthy of note, Claressa Shields is on the undercard. She claims to be the GOAT, <laughs> greatest woman of all time, so... Self-proclaimed, quote, Clarissa Shields is on the card. Probably to set up a big fight with Savannah Marshall, who is from uh, that side of the pond. And hopefully after Shields takes care of business in her fight 
on February 5th, we get to see Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall. That would be a big fight for women's boxing. On February 12th, uh, on DAZN, we see, we'll see Daniel Jacobs uh, as he moves up to 168 pounds, and he's going to take on John Ryder. That fight comes to us from London. Now, Ryder's a pretty good fighter. Uh, we're going to find out what Jacobs has left, I think, because, you know, the last time out, or the last time I saw Daniel Jacobs against Gabe Rosado, he did not look good. Uh, he was in a life-and-death struggle with Rosado. Most people think Rosado should have got the nod. Jacobs squeaked out the victory. Now he's up to 168, and he's taking on John Ryder. So we'll see what happens there. It's it's an interesting matchup because Ryder's pretty good. Uh, we'll see what Jacobs has left, though. February 19th, we're going to see Jaime Munguia. Well, we're probably not going to see it, but Jaime Munguia takes on Demetrius Ballard. And that's coming to us from Munguia's hometown of Tijuana, Mexico. And no disrespect to Demetrius Ballard, but Munguia's got 38 fights under his belt. He's undefeated with 30 knockouts. He's 25 years old. He's a middleweight now, but he was a former champion at junior middleweight. What am I trying to say? Well, he should be in bigger fights. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. He should be in bigger fights than fights with Demetrius Ballard. Like I say, no disrespect. I respect everybody who walks down the aisle, climbs through those ropes, you know, climbs up them stairs, climbs through those ropes, and is willing to do what, what boxers do. I respect them all, but I just got to be honest. Munguia should really be in bigger fights by now, I would think. Uh, you know, if if you look at all four of the middleweight champions, that's Golovkin, Murata, Charlo, and Andrade, and if you put Munguia into that mix and you just sort of shook up those names in a hat and pulled any two names you pull out of a hat, that's a really good fight. So I'd like to see Munguia in there with better competition. But speaking of February 19th, and I can't believe there's no US TV for this one, but finally, at a catch weight of 149 pounds, finally we get to see Amir Khan versus Kell Brook. Now, 10 years ago, this would have been huge. And this is still a major grudge match because these two guys legitimately don't like each other. And they both claim that they've always wanted to fight and the other guy didn't. And it's a shame that we couldn't get these guys in the ring together when they were both in their primes. But I think it's a fair match because both of them uh, appear to be equally shot as fighters. And neither wants to lose to the other because there's been so much talk and so much animosity between them. And both fighters have lost in recent years to Terrence Crawford. Uh, no shame in that. But uh, Khan, actually, Khan is currently training for this bout with Crawford in Nebraska. But I think it's a toss-up kind of fight. And for the record, I'm going to go with Amir Khan. But anything can happen with these two. And to show you what kind of juice this fight still has, the arena in Manchester, England, 20,000 seats is sold out. So fair play to the Brits on that one. It's, uh, they're great fans over there. They really do their part to keep boxing, not only keep it alive, but to keep it thriving. So 20,000 for two past-their-prime guys. Finally squaring off. I, I got to give you a lot of credit for that. So that, that wraps up the upcoming fights over the next few weeks. Just a few stories of note here as we head down the stretch here on the H-Bomb Boxing Report. Well, first of all, uh, one of my intentions when I started this podcast was to have a historical segment 
where we look back to, like we look back at this day in history or this week in history sort of thing and highlight some of the big events that took place. And two things that I wanted to mention this time around were the hand wrap controversy involving Antonio Margarito as he was knocked out by Shane Mosley back in January of 2009. Margarito was coming off a big victory over Miguel Cotto in his previous fight. And Mosley, although he got a 12th round stoppage against uh, Ricardo Mayorga in his previous bout, he did not look good. So the idea was, here's Mosley, he's 37 years old, going against Margarito, who's a buzzsaw. And the general consensus was that Margarito was going to just walk through Mosley and destroy him. Well, of course, uh, Mosley looked great. Uh, Margarito did not look very good. And Mosley was able to get, like I said, the ninth round stoppage. But the big story in this fight happened prior to the fight. And that was uh, in the dressing room when the trainer for Antonio Margarito, Javier Capetillo, was wrapping the hands of Margarito. And Mosley's trainer, the late Nazim Richardson, was observing the wrapping. And he noticed that the wrap looked wet. So Margarito had to rewrap his hands. Well, they took the old wraps, the one that the ones that appeared to be wet, and they sent them away for analysis. And it turns out there was plaster of Paris, which is like concrete, in the wraps. And of course, that was a big deal at the time. Uh, Margarito's reputation went down the tubes, although he claimed he had no knowledge of it. And but just to kind of show you how boxing works, you know. Margarito was suspended for a, a year, I believe, but he eventually was able to come back and s- secure a big payday. You know, he, he was beaten down pretty bad by Manny Pacquiao, but he was able to make a lot of money uh, after that. So, you know, the the damage to his reputation was was there, but it certainly wasn't a death sentence for him as far as his career is concerned. But that was that was a big deal back in the day, and that was that was probably Mosley's last big victory where he looked really good at 37 years old. Now, the other battle I wanted to mention took place in January of 1976. And that's when we saw George Foreman and Ron Lyle. Now, they had a heavyweight tear-up for the ages. And everyone always says they like the heavyweights. So this is my fight to watch uh, for this episode. Fight to watch for this episode, 1976, George Foreman. Ron Lyle, it seemed, well, it lasted five rounds. So, I mean, it'll only take you about 25 minutes to watch it from start to finish. So pull it up on your YouTube or wherever you get your content and get back to me with your thoughts and reach out to me and let me know what you think. It was a great fight between, a, you know, two big punchers. And 1970s was a great decade for heavyweight boxing. It really was. And that was one of the, one of the more exciting heavyweight fights you're going to see. So you're looking for a fight to watch, uh, you want to get into boxing, you want to just kind of look back and, and reminisce or, or see it if you, if you haven't seen it, 1976, uh, Foreman, Ron Lyle, great fight. Speaking of heavyweights, so rumors are flying around that Anthony Joshua is about to accept step-aside money, and a lot of it, to forego his rematch with Alexander Usyk so that Usyk and the Gypsy King Tyson Fury can put all the heavyweight belts on the line 
and that would pave the way for an undisputed heavyweight champion. Now, reports are that the step-aside money for Joshua is about 15 million pounds. Now, for my American friends, that's about $20 million. Now, that's big. That's real big. But Joshua claims that these are all rumors and nothing's confirmed and yada, yada, yada. Don't believe anything till you hear it from me. So stay tuned to that. So it's just, it's interesting. I don't know how it's going to play out. And one of the, one of the tenets of this podcast, of this program, is that we don't engage in reckless speculation. I'll, I'll give opinions. Uh, I may speculate, but reckless speculation to say something is when it hasn't happened yet. I try to stay out of that, that type of thing. But uh, I, for me personally, I think step aside money for Joshua would be a good thing, provided that he's guaranteed to take on the winner because in order for him to collect all the heavyweight belts, which is his goal, which should be, it should be everybody's goal, <laughs> but you know, in and around the heavyweight division. But if his goal is to collect all the belts, he would have to beat both of those. Now, he, he just lost to Usyk, so that, that's no easy task. He would have to beat Fury and beat Usyk to collect all the belts. Why not step aside, make a lot of money for doing nothing, let those two fight for all the belts, and then you fight the winner. You only have to beat one of them to get all the belts. Now, that's a bit of an oversimplification because nothing ever works as simply as we think it should in boxing. But if I'm Joshua, I'd probably take the step-aside money. I mean, he, he's got tons of money. He probably doesn't need the money, but $20 million for, for doing nothing? Yeah, I'll take some of that. Sign me up. Also, uh, the WBA has ordered a, a lightweight fight between their regular champion, Tank Davis, and Raleigh Romero. Now, you might remember that these two were supposed to fight a few months back, but Romero was accused by several women of sexual misconduct and the fight went to Bolivian, as they say. And then Tank went on to face late replacement Isak Cruz, who made a good showing of himself, by the way. Talking about Cruz, he made a pretty good showing of himself, put his name out there. And anyway, since then, Romero's been cleared of the charges, or maybe I should just say the charges have been dropped. But uh, because of that, it looks like this fight with tank is a go and i'm not sure if this fight's going to be any good but i suppose the build-up for it will be epic because uh, romero plays that heel role really well and i think the build-up for this fight might be as good if not better than the actual fight itself so looking forward to that well like i said this is a somewhat abbreviated episode so that's pretty much going to wrap things up here for episode 14 of the h-bomb boxing report i'm looking forward in the next episode to have a report on the lawsuit that welterweight champion terrence bud crawford is bringing against former promoter bob arum and that's something i want to get into a little bit on the next episode as well as talk about the news and notes from around the world of boxing so uh, I want to send out special thanks to everyone who listens. All the H-Bomb Boxing merch is available on the website. Again, that's hbombboxing.com. And also, I have a Facebook page that I like to update. I update the big fights each weekend with all of the who, what, where, when, why, and how you can view the fights 
that sort of thing, all the all the particulars about the fights that are coming up, just to keep people informed. Because you know, I hear people all the time say, "Oh, I didn't know that fight was happening," or "Why didn't you tell me?" Well, you go to the Facebook page, H Bomb Boxing. Just put in a search of H Bomb Boxing and give it a like while you're there, and it's always appreciated. And I'll do my best to keep everyone in the loop regarding all things boxing. So again, my name's Marty H. And before I sign off, let me remind you that in life, it's not where you are. It's not what you're doing. It's who you're with that matters. Spend more time with the people you love. Watch more boxing. And we'll do it again next time on the H-Bomb Boxing Report. So long, everybody. 